we need your goodness. So I just ask, Lord, that your presence would inhabit our place today. Be with us as we look to your word, as we lift up your name and praise, and help us to remember, help us to understand what's impossible to understand, how wide and deep and great your love is for us. Amen. All right, we're gonna get started here. I've got two announcements. And for the life of them, I can only remember one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, I think I already mentioned <laughs> uh, that uh, the, the YouTube channel that we uh, are taking those, um, it's gonna get fun, huh? The YouTube channel that we're taking our worship uh, sets from is Vineyard Worship Together Daily. Check it out. Let us know what your favorite one is, and maybe we'll slip it into the into the circulation here. Uh, the other thing is, we've got an announcement. We the bay that we are actually paying rent for is not the bay that our stuff is in, and now that's finished. The bay is finished, and so we have the opportunity to move our stuff from a bay that graciously they've been letting us use into the bay that um, we actually pay for. So next Saturday at 8, 8, 8, at 8 o'clock, we'll be at the uh, Spring Valley Plaza at uh, 4212 South 50th Street in a beautiful South Omaha for uh, a move-in party. So um, understand it's going to be tight we want as many, I mean, many hands make light work, but we're probably, so we're going to need to do some thinking about, okay, how many people can we fit in there and how, you know, where do we put everything? Uh, so do please um, check the Facebook event and say, I'm going to go uh, or contact the church, uh, Saul at omahavineyard.org, Saul.cruz at omahavineyard.org or info at omahavineyard.org and uh, let us know um, that you're going to be um, contributing your strength and um, we'll we'll get it all put together all right carly we ready to go uno momento that's spanish for hang on Go ahead and uh, uh, turn to somebody near you and say, uh, good morning. <laughs> and good morning. Good morning and welcome to the Omaha Vineyard Church virtual Sunday service, uh, this beautiful August 2, uh, 2020. 
not much can be said uh, about uh, 2020, but man, we're having a, some beautiful weather <laughs> here in the month of August. So um, we're going to go ahead and, and, and jump in to uh, today's uh, message. And again, we're, we're, we've been in a series on the real lives of the Northern Kingdom prophets. We looked at Elijah and now Elisha and how they are able to usher God's kingdom into the real lives of everyday people, as well as groups of prophets, city governors, kings, and even enemies. <clears throat> and what kind of character traits have we seen about who God is through all of this? He's good. He's generous. He's powerful. He's merciful. He blesses and he gives hope to those who have given up. And his love for us does not cost us anything. I love how, how consistent God is. Old Testament, New Testament, today. Uh, his love doesn't cost us anything. And we saw that last week. Uh, the Aramean military officer, Naaman, simply asked to be healed of his leprosy and his Naaman's gifts were refused by Elisha and his misconceptions of how to worship the Lord, the God of Israel, were not corrected. He was shown absolute mercy and grace. If you want to check that out, that's uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. Today, our reading will take us into 2 Kings chapter 6. And again, we're going to see God's great benevolence poured out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and how, um, how wonderfully creative you are at how you show your goodness. Lord, I pray that while we are in 2 Kings chapter 6 today, you would touch our minds, touch our hearts, open us up to how incredibly good you are and the possibilities uh, that, that might mean for us, for our loved ones, for our world. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn in to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be going through a lot of it. Um, there's two specific stories we're, we're looking at today. First section here is uh, just verses 1 through 7. So one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. And when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one was cutting a tree, the axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. So this is the real life of this poor, we'll call him a Bible college student, right? He borrows an ax to help with the building project. 
maybe some of you have have had this actual experience what what would be the result what has the result been when um you, you have to go back to the person that you borrowed something from and tell them I, it got ruined the, the head here, here's the axe handle where's the where's the head it's in the jordan river okay that's embarrassment and it's expensive i mean the, the guy had to borrow the x because he didn't have the money to own one himself oh what are we gonna do let's find out let's see what elisha says where did it fall the man of god asked and when he showed him the place elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot then the axe head floated to the surface grab it elisha said and the man reached out and grabbed it. So what do they make axe heads out of? Iron. I mean, are we, I feel like we're at that scene in the um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they're trying to figure out, well, if she's a witch, she's going to float. What else floats? Axe heads don't float. Unless the man of God intervenes. So not only did it, it fall into the river, the Jordan River is a muddy river. So it would have been hard to see. And we have this, this very gracious, miraculous, merciful rescue for this young prophet who doesn't even get named God is so good and so willing to intervene. And I'm sure that this would have been a great encouragement to that group of prophets. Talking about it at dinner the next day, talking about it to people that they see, uh, you know, did you hear about God's mercy? Um, young prophet, the axe head borrowed water stick floating axe head the lord is good and merciful and he rescues those who serve him and i'm just going to say it that's that's who this is that the the a group of prophets is a a prophet is somebody that listens for the words of the lord and delivers them to others that that's a, that's very 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 um small <laughs> Uh, definition. It's a big deal, but it's uh, we'll, we'll just keep it simple, right? And and because I'm gonna say because, but the Lord was merciful and rescued this young man from the embarrassment and the expense of having to replace an axe head when he could just make the iron axe head float in the river. Wow, what a God! What a God we serve. Well, let's take a look at. Uh, the remaining, I don't know, I, actually, I can't remember if this remaining verses in chapter six, but we're going to be going from uh, verse eight through 23 in Second Kings chapter six. And we're going to see what else, whom else, how else God is merciful. You guys ready? Here we go. 
uh, 6, 8 through 23, and I'll take some breaks in the middle. So 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 8. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But, but immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It is none of us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king demanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. I'm going to take a break right there. So how, how wise is the king of Aram? He may be missing something. Because if Elisha has, has been in the know, miraculously, about Aramean troop movements, why does the king of Aram believe that he'll be able to sneak up on him and seize him? And it's almost a certainty that Elisha knew of the king's plans. So what did he do, right? Does he leave before the army arrives? Does he set a trap or an ambush? Let's take a look here. So moving on. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid. And I just want to point out, there's an exclamation point in the NASB after the word afraid. Don't be afraid. It's a command, Elisha told him. For there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. You think he was humming that song? Uh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. So as the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, <laughs> Oh, Lord, please make them blind. I love the, the please. I don't know why. <laughs> It just tickles me. Oh, Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elijah had asked. And then Elisha went out to them and told them, you, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. I'm just going to break in here. So the northern kingdom of Israel the city of Samaria is the capital of the nation of Israel. That's where the king resides. So Elisha is able to capture the entire 
great army of Arameans, including many chariots and horses, and without shedding any blood, he's able to lead them into the middle of their capital city. Well, let's see what happens next here. Okay, so we're, we're continuing on. And I apologize, I don't have the verses kind of figured out. Hopefully you're following along. Here we go. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. Well, when the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Elisha delivers the Israelites from the Arameans. And then he delivers the Arameans from the hands of the Israelites. So God is merciful to those who are faithful to him, as well as to those who don't even know about him. And for those of us that follow the Lord, I want to give us some identity reminders. Say these with me, if you will. I am forgiven. Because I have been forgiven, I will forgive others. I have been shown mercy. Because I have been shown mercy, I will be merciful to others. God is with me. Because God is with me, I will not be afraid. When we face enemies, when we feel surrounded, let me encourage you with the words of Elisha to his young servant. Don't be afraid! Exclamation point. Don't be afraid. Allow the Lord to open up your eyes. Because these confrontations and scary situations are opportunities for God to get the glory. He is at work, and he is good. And when we submit to him and follow him and desire to live in a way that pleases him, we are able to operate in freedom. If somebody slaps us, we don't have to slap them back. You get to treat others in ways that are outside of what might be considered normal because of that freedom. Elisha prayed that the young servant's eyes would be open. And what did he see? Their enemy, the great Aramean army, was surrounded by an even greater host of chariots and horses of fire. But did you notice 
that even though Elisha appeared to have that advantage, he doesn't use it to destroy his enemies. See, in, in, in this world, in this culture, out of insecurity, the world tries desperately to get the upper hand and take down as many would-be threats as possible. Out of security, the man of God treats even people who would call themselves his enemy with mercy. And I don't know if you've been catching this, but these prophets, they're like Elisha, he's like a, a type of Jesus. Now, he's only a man, but we can see in these chapters how Elisha lives out his life as an example of who God is. He has the Spirit of God on him. And from that connection with and filling with the Holy Spirit, he understands his Mind is transformed by the renewing of his heart. Is that maybe that I may be messing that up? But he's been he's been transformed. You and I get to be transformed too. So Elisha is merciful. Elisha is good. Elisha's benevolent. The Armenian army can consider him their enemy all they want. But when the great army is fully at the mercy of Elisha, within the walls of the capital city of Israel, he insists that they be treated well. Give them food and drink and send them home to their master. How are we to treat those who Either we would consider our enemy, or they would consider us their enemies. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is teaching in this method. He, he'll say, you have heard that it was said, and then he'll like quote, Mose- I don't know if it's mosaical, it might be pharisaical sayings. Uh, and, th- and then he says, but I say to you, And he shares with them what the kingdom of God is like. So he's going on in in Matthew chapter 5. And towards the end of that chapter, starting in verse 43, Jesus says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to... Oh, you know what? I was going to share this. I'll just keep going. Yeah, I'll share it. Please hold. Again, Jesus, in the words, uh, in the words of Jesus... You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you 
so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So back in Samaria, when Elisha was surrounded by the great Aramean army, and they were surrounded by an even greater army from heaven, his choice to ask the Lord to blind them and then leading them into the middle of the capital city in Samaria was an act of love. Sharing a meal with somebody, somebody is an act of unity and friendship. Elisha lived out this kingdom way of dealing with his enemies by blessing them, loving them releasing them, sparing them. And Jesus takes it to kind of a much more practical level. Our God in heaven causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That is the example that Jesus is calling you disciples to follow. He says that when we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That allows us to be, in Jesus' words, so that you may be sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And what does that mean? That means we, we carry His name. We represent Him. We are like Him. And at the end of this, this topic on enemies, Jesus says, we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect in how we, in, in our attitude towards our enemies. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we saw that God is merciful to those who are faithful to Him, and He's merciful to self-proclaimed enemies. In Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus command specifically that we should love our enemies. Now let me ask you, do you have enemies? Who are your enemies? Are there people who are seeking to seize you or harm you or kill you I don't know how many of us have that going on. But we have the chance to live out being the children of, the representatives of, the ambassadors of our Heavenly Father when we, live, when we love them and pray for them. I don't know if you've been watching this, but the, the church in China, the Christian church in China, is under severe persecution right now. 
um, the government is going into homes that have been receiving that are very poor. And so they've been receiving um, government aid and they're taking down crosses and images of Jesus from their walls and putting up instead pictures of Mao or pictures of, of the Chinese president. And they're telling them, you want to pray to a God? These are your God. In China, our brothers and sisters in Christ are under attack for their beliefs. You can join with our Chinese church brothers and sisters by praying for the Chinese government. That is Christ's command. And let me go one step further. When you find yourself at the mercy of your enemy or at an advantage over your enemy, remember the story of Elisha. It may have looked like he was surrounded by the Aramean army, that they were surrounded by an even greater heavenly army. We have freedom. Because, I repeat my, uh, these, these identity reminders, I am forgiven. And because I've been forgiven, I will forgive others. I have been shown mercy. Because I've been shown mercy, I will be merciful to others. God is with me. And because God is with me, I will not be afraid. When we as a church operate with love and mercy to our enemies, it puts us in stark contrast to the rest of the world. If we only love people that love us back, or we only greet friends and relatives, we're no better than the least desirable people in society. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, and was comparing that kind of behavior to tax collectors, Gentiles. Those are the least desirable people in society. But when our actions are loving and blessing to those who persecute us, we, the kingdom of heaven breaks in. We represent our Father who is in heaven. We are ambassadors of the Eden Project to reclaim the whole world for Jesus. And the goal is set high. Yeah, the goal is high. It's perfection. Think about it this way, then, guys. We're to be perfect for our Father in heaven. We are, be, we are to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Our Father God deserves nothing less than to be represented by perfection. Don't get down on that. Aspire to that. 
Holy Spirit, you may have your work cut out for you, <laughs> but lead us and drive us to love our enemies, to show mercy to all people, whether they are good or evil, because that is who you are. That is who you are. And that is how you are. There is no inconsistency in you. So Heavenly Father, we ask, send your Holy Spirit on us in perfect power to empower our lives, giving us godly boldness to live out perfect love for others. Let me pronounce our blessing. And I wish I could sing it like that guy. His voice is kind of grainy. And that big beard. Come, uh, sorry, I'm, let me read the right words. Okay, here's our blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Peace to you. Peace on you. Peace on your family. Peace on your household. Peace on your enemies. Amen.